0: Good evening, listeners. It's time to settle in for another chilling story of suburban suspense. From the slumbering heads of Mount Rushmore to the twin and windy cities. From the unseen depths of the Great Lakes to the rustling husks of cornfields across the heartland. Who knows what ghouls and crawling creatures lurk among us under the Midwest moon. The Gallery Stalker Sarah found a lot to like about working at the museum. Free membership, ample time to look at art, an eclectic mix of coworkers. The downsides, long hours on her feet, the constant threat of expensive pieces getting damaged on her watch, and a monster stalking her from the paintings. Tuesdays at the museum were popular for field trips. Each week, school buses snaked through the neighborhood surrounding the museum and lined up along the front street. Children pooled out onto the sidewalk in a mass of frenetic energy and noise, and the swarm spilled up to the front doors at 7.30 exactly. Their jostling and excited faces crowded the windows of the front lobby where staff held their daily huddle. This morning, Sarah smiled at their excitement from her perch on the steps inside. The chaos could be a lot, but Sarah loved when school groups visited, remembering the thrill of her own early trips to look at art. The smell of new paint and galleries, finding colors and images that struck her 10-year-old self and tucking them away like keepsakes. Art was like that. Certain pieces found you, like a favorite book as a child, and claimed you, forming a connection that would span your life, directing your choices, guiding you down some alleys over others, and steering you in a long arc back to your early self. Back to what first grabbed your attention. Sarah felt a flutter of excitement imagining what sculptures and paintings might be those thunderbolt moments of connection for the kids in these classes. Today, as always, Sarah sat beside her coworker Marie, who nursed an overpriced, overcaffeinated coffee, decidedly less enthusiastic about the early morning guests. You look dead, Sarah told her. Marie let her head flop to her shoulder, and the two laughed. Their manager announced gallery assignments for the day, determining which employees would host which areas. Sarah was given the Schultz Gallery, a windowed room of landscapes and pastoral paintings on the second floor. Most days, Sarah's job was little more than fun police, asking visitors to stand farther back from the art and gently redirecting hands that seemed compelled to grab sculptures and press on paintings. Today, however, Sarah was asked to lead classes through something called slow-looking, where each group of students spent 30 minutes looking at a piece of art and drawing what they noticed. Kids seemed to like this activity because they weren't told how to look at art. Instead, they got to figure out for themselves what they saw. Once they got over their fidgeting and discomfort with the quiet, students usually sunk into a silent trance, finding their flow as they worked away on thick pads of paper. Sarah liked to study the students' faces instead of their sketches while they drew, leaving their creations a surprise until she had compiled the day's worth of drawings in a basket. At the end of her shift sarah ushered out the last of the stragglers from her gallery and shut out the lights before locking the doors to the standalone space then she waited with the other gallery hosts in the darkened main lobby as each employee gave the all clear for their post turned in their radio and got dismissed sarah sat on a cushioned bench beside the gift shop relaxing her head and shoulders deeply into its plush back Discreetly, she slipped off her shoes just enough to relieve the indentations on the backs of her heels and pulled the basket of drawings onto her lap to look through the sketches. The drawing at the top of the stack stole her breath. She jolted upright. In the sketch, beside the soft edges of the castle, in the foreground lurked a sinister shadow, a dark, slender figure with red-ember eyes. The image hit Sarah like a forgotten memory. The figure looked so out of place, its vampiric cape a black streak across the scribbled green-gray grass. Quickly, Sarah flipped the paper face down beside her, strangely unnerved, but her heart stuttered to see the same creature in the next drawing. The second image was more crudely drawn, with lankier limbs and a rougher outline of a face, but it was the same figure, no question. Sarah began to doubt herself. To doubt the painting, she had stood beside on countless shifts and had studied herself in quiet stretches. No way her eyes had skipped over such a frightening figure. She reached for the next page in the stack and saw the caped creature in the third drawing, and the fourth. Fear had a vice grip on Sarah's chest now as she rifled through the pages like a grim flipbook, drawing after drawing of sinister Dracula lookalikes. In each one, the figure held out a narrow hand, finger-crooked, beckoning. Sarah piled the drawings back into the basket like monsters in a casket and closed the wicker lid over them, snapping the fastener shut tight against the menacing images. Sarah shook the whole rainy drive home. One drawing was unnerving. Two was a prank. But dozens? She couldn't make sense of it. She turned the windshield wipers onto their highest setting as if to clear away the dread that washed over her, the creeping certainty that something frightening was at play. The mystery of what drew people to certain artwork and what repelled them had always fascinated Sarah, those inexplicable qualities that had been what first interested her in art and what carried her through her degree program. Admittedly, she hadn't thought much about that mystery lately, caught up in the autopilot monotony of patrolling galleries, but the idea surfaced again with these drawings. How had so many seen what she did not in the painting, and why did the piece cause such unease in her? The next day, Sarah brought the basket with her to the employee break room. The space bustled with the event prep for a luncheon, caterers rushing to plate salmon, asparagus, and shortcake, while employees ate cold sandwiches packed from home. Sarah set the basket in front of her friend. "'What's this?' Marie asked. "'Drawings from yesterday's school groups. Look,' Sarah said, pointing out the monster in one drawing, then the next, and the next. "'This creature is in all the drawings.' Marie pushed her salad aside to study the drawings thoughtfully considering. She flipped through half the stack before finally suggesting it was a joke, a little mischief the students concocted to make the activity pass faster. But Sarah had seen the creature in drawings from all different classes, different schools even. It couldn't have been orchestrated. I don't know. I haven't been posted in there for a while, Marie said. Is there something in the painting the kids could have mistaken for a monster? A scarecrow or smokestack, maybe? Some shadowy... Something? Sarah felt certain there wasn't, but she joined Marie to investigate just the same. The two stopped by the painting on their way back to their posts, waiting for a family to move on before sidling up close to the work. Nothing. No dark figure, no shape remotely resembling the red-eyed creature from the children's artwork. I can't explain it, Marie said. It's creepy for sure, but there's nothing there. Who knows? Kids are weird. I wouldn't worry about it. The two returned to their posts and Sarah tried to shake it off like Marie, hiding the basket of drawings in a supply closet. After a few days of crowded tour groups and incident reports, her fear finally receded, and by the end of the week she had all but forgotten about the whole incident. What had been manageable during the day, however, proved harder at night. Friday evening at the museum's close, instead of completing the regular end-of-shift routine, employees prepped for a lock-in party. Like aquariums and zoos, the museum hosted overnight parties for birthdays and special events, and Sarah and Marie were tasked with hosting a pack of preteens for a sleepover. They screened a penguin movie in the museum's amphitheater and served popcorn and cake in the lobby, teaching the girls to spot different patterns in the design on the ceiling, tilting their heads back like a pack of stargazers. After throwing pots in the studio and taking a tour of the colorful modern art exhibit, The group rolled out their sleeping bags on the floor of the Schultz Gallery. The walls of this gallery were glass, giant windows overlooking a courtyard and a balcony of outdoor sculptures. Tall maple trees surrounded the museum, giving the impression the gallery was lofted in a treehouse. During museum hours, visitors passed in and out of the doors to the balcony, letting in warm breeze and bird chatter in the summer. Tonight, the sky was inky black, masking the nearby trees and turning the windows into dark mirrors, reflecting the gallery back at itself. Marie started a glow-in-the-dark mural at the center of the sleeping bags with the few girls who weren't already going to sleep, and Sarah took advantage of the group being occupied to check out the audio tour of the exhibit, something she had meant to do for a while but hadn't yet. She pulled on the thick headphones hanging beside the first painting in the room and listened to the dry tour guide voice begin its spiel. Twenty minutes into the history of landscape artists in the region, Sarah heard whispering in the audio guide, a quiet, staticky presence under the tour guide's voice. She ripped the headset from her ears, panicked. She turned toward the group of slumber partiers, all sleeping or quietly talking and laughing in a huddle over their mural. She heaved out a ragged breath, steeling herself and eased the headphones back on. The second voice continued beneath the audio guide, and Sarah strained to understand its whispered message. A slow phrase repeated like a chant. Sarah's blood chilled when she finally made it out. Follow me, the voice said. She wrenched the headphones off again, letting them clatter against the wall as they swung from their cord. In that instant, Sarah heard a sound nearby, like the flapping of a bird's wings. Had a robin gotten trapped inside? It wouldn't be the first time. But this sounded different, louder, like the heavy rumbling of a stage curtain. Sarah inched along the wall, peering up into the exposed rafters of the gallery, straining her eyes to make out any birds in the shadowed corners. She steadied her breath and searched the alcove leading to the balcony doors. The door was shut and locked. No movement save for the security camera scanning the room like a red-eyed sentry overhead. The only figure she saw in the reflection of the great dark window was her own. Just then, Sarah felt a rush of air as a shadow swept across the nearby wall. Suddenly, the wood floor creaked behind her, and she turned to see someone standing in front of the castle painting. A man with upturned collars, dressed in all black. Sarah froze. Her limbs felt dead, drained of blood and buzzing numb. Like an actor from a classic monster movie, the figure turned a slow circle toward Sarah, its skin impossibly pale and tinted blue beneath the gallery's security lights. The creature's eyes were two backlit rubies, trained unflinchingly on Sarah, Without a thought, she bolted to an adjoining gallery of portraits. The monster followed, unhurried, first in terrifying strides through the darkened gallery and then in flashes of black cape and leering face creeping from painting to painting, a traveler vanishing and resurfacing in one portrait after another, moving rapidly closer to Sarah as she ran. She reached the end of the room, backed against the far wall as the vampire appeared in the final portrait, boxing out the painting's smiling profile with his dark silhouette his arms raised and reaching out through the painting toward Sarah. Breathless, Sarah scrambled away and doubled back to the group of kids in their sleeping bags. They were all fast asleep, still and quiet, eyes closed in two tidy rows. Sarah was grateful they were okay, but she felt terrified to be singled out, alone in her fear. Even Marie had fallen asleep, lying motionless beside the kids. Sarah rushed to kneel beside her and whisper-shouted her name. Marie didn't move. Sarah shook her shoulder. Marie, wake up! No response. Her friend lay frighteningly still, and a cold fear crept up the back of Sarah's neck. Just as Sarah was about to sound an alarm, certain the worst had happened, Marie stirred awake. Hey, she said, what is it? What's going on? For the briefest moment, relief outpaced terror in Sarah's mind. Too soon, however, fear flooded back in, and Sarah choked out a panicked explanation. Marie put a hand on Sarah's arm and told her to take off. But the kids, Sarah protested. I have them. We'll be okay. Go. For reasons she couldn't understand, Sarah felt certain the monster would not harm the kids. Knew it was her alone the creature was after. She had to get away. Sarah's parents lived out of state, but her aunt lived close. Sarah called her number as she hurried out the back of the entrance of the museum. Despite the late hour, her aunt was awake, and hearing the panic in Sarah's voice, invited her over. Sarah raced through night-drenched neighborhoods and arrived to find her aunt standing in her open garage amid a mess of boxes and storage tubs. Sarah parked in the dark drive and bolted straight into her aunt's arms. "'What are you still doing up?' Sarah asked. "'You know how I am. No better time to get some cleaning done,' she said, still entwined in Sarah's arms. Sarah hugged her close, eyes shut tight in relief. When she opened her eyes again, she saw over her aunt's shoulder a dusty framed painting leaning against the garage shelves. Sarah's arms went limp as the blood drained from her body. Her aunt let her go. Seeing Sarah's gaze fixed behind her, she turned to the painting. "'Ah, do you remember how scared you were of this when you were little?' her aunt asked. A whisper of a childhood fear rose faintly, like a ghost from a forgotten graveyard. Sarah could picture where the painting had hung in the dim hallway. Her aunt continued, "'We finally had to hide it in storage before you'd agree to stay over.' "'I never knew what it was about it that upset you.' She stooped down to pick up the painting and ran her hand over the front, clearing a sheet of dust to reveal a painted barn and shed and a familiar figure stalking the background, his slim hand raised, beckoning.